I like you with glasses. What are you doing here? Run away with me. Uh, what? Run away with me. Or, or stay with me. I don't care. Or I can go with you. Are you out of your mind? No, I'm, I'm, I'm bent over backwards in love with you. Miriam, I'm, I'm the heels overhead completely. Don't be ridiculous. We just met. At your wedding. <laughs> it's not funny. Barney, get off the train. I cannot believe that this really happens. It really happens. Just like that. IDs, tickets. It's amazing. No? And I don't care if it happened on my wedding night, at uh, a funeral, on my deathbed. The Scotch on the Rocks, please. Any Scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, single malt, Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps, maybe a Glengowrie, any Glen. I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? Just a drink, a martini, shaken, not stirred. Uh, Jared, you had quite the dilemma with watching Barney's version earlier today. <laughs> it was a dilemma, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, do you want to register a complaint uh, that maybe our few listeners will have that Barney's version right now is uh, not currently streaming on your Netflixes, your Hulus, out in the world? One of you idiots put a seed up for me. Just one. That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, you're not partaking in the the pirating arts, are you? <laughs> we we definitely do not have the following yet to have someone <laughs> go out of their way to put up one seed of Barney's version. <laughs> Barney's version. <laughs> Probably wondering why we're even talking about it, but that's uh that's gonna be our forgotten film. <clears throat> which this I one's kinda kinda weird because uh Dilemma probably a forgotten film at this point, even though it was the uh the wide release on uh that we could not remember that one at all. Like I don't even remember it even being a, a thing advertised. The strange thing oh, with the dilemma that's odd. was I remember I remembered having seen it, and then as I watched it, I had to question if I had seen it. I'm like, am I confusing this with another Vince Vaughn movie? Like I don't. Mm-hmm. This doesn't seem like something I would have gone to the theaters and watched. When did <laughs> I see this? And uh, did I Eternal Sunshine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish. Uh, but yeah, both these films opened on uh, January 14th. Barney's version, limited. Uh, still very limited <laughs> right now. Very limited. <laughs> uh, Josh, did you have you had a thought on Dilemma or something? Did you remember this when it came out or had you seen well, it? Well, it's just, yeah, I remember, I hadn't seen it, but I remembered the advertising. And that's why I said it was funny with uh, Jared saying he didn't remember any the advertising because there was a little bit of a snafu with the uh, trailer. The that car came scene, out. I bet. Is that what it was? Well, it was when uh, Vince Vaughn uh, is talking to the people at, at uh, Chrysler, and he he says, uh, "You know, electric cars are gay." Mm-hmm. And then he goes. I think on that's the only time explain. I laughed. <laughs> yeah. I'll just put it out there. <laughs> well, uh... ladies and gentlemen, electric cars—they're totally gay. It's true. I don't mean that they're homosexual gay, but I do mean your parents are the chaperone at the dance gay right you tuck it in and wear it real high gay i don't want to disrespect anybody because i'm not about that but i think we're understanding what we're trying to talk about here right i mean honestly the nissan spit really it screams this 
Oh, here we go. The Hyundai pomegranate, right? The Chevy fingerprint. Ah, look at this. The 1966 Ford GT350. You want to roll up in that one, Hoss? The 1965 Pontiac GTO. Completely awesome. The 1970 Hemi Cuda took more virginities than Francis Albert Sinatra. Glad didn't like it too much when it was in the trailer. Uh, there goes uh, our appropriate behavior subscriber we just picked up, the super fan from last episode. <laughs> Mike gets uh, on here. Gay cars, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> well, I, I mean, within context of the movie, when you see it, you're like, well, his character is uh, not exactly politically correct in how he speaks. And he even goes out of his way to clarify. He's like, I don't mean gay like homosexual gay. I mean gay like you're. I don't know, you know, wearing <laughs> like you're suspenders on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it's a word for bad, you see, and we hate it. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. So I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Jared, Which, how dare you? You just took us to a, <laughs> a dark place. We were, we were doing good there, Goodbye, just making women fun of subscribers. <laughs> we were calling bad things gay, and then you had to you had to ruin it. Be a little more PC, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, go ahead. That was kind of. I think they had to recut the trailer though because glad they didn't cut Uh, out the movie though. No, they didn't cut out. Ron Howard refused. He said it it would be censorship to be forced to do that. There you go, Opie. Good for you. uh, (laughs) Um. So, but it was that. That was just kind of why I chuckled when I did because I thought it was just funny that Jordan said he didn't remember the advertising. This movie's almost two hours long, and uh, this is basically. Your standard sitcom premise. This is something you would see as one story on Seinfeld with like two other stories. Mm -hmm. This is a situation George Costanza might find himself in as far as having information and then bumbling it throughout on how to how to handle it. And uh, it's interesting. I actually wanted to watch this one with my wife and I think she kept saying why as it was going on. <laughs> why did you insist? But I did want her, her input because it seems like they're setting it up like Vince Vaughn's like sort of a good old boy as far as like, this is how men would handle this situation, finding out that his friend's wife is cheating on him. And I don't think they really play that up that well. Actually, a lot of the, the situations that Vince Vaughn boxes himself into, I was getting confused because I was just giving him far too much credit. Like they basically set up that Jennifer Conley and him who are not married, uh, kind of go out all the time with his buddy and his wife, Kevin James and one on Ryder. And so I read into it. That's like, Oh, Jennifer Conley and uh one on Ryder's characters must be good friends. And that's why he won't reveal to her what has nothing to do with him and nothing to do with her, what he's up to. But that doesn't ever seem to play out in the film that like they have a particularly close relationship. So can either one of you having seen this film, why doesn't he reveal to his partner, Hey, I think my buddy's getting screwed over here. What would you do in this situation? I I thought that was the weakest part of the plot because that would have satisfied his relationship part of the story in a in a second. Because there's this and, weird gambling subplot. And so she yeah, assumes he's yeah. back you know, gambling, losing money again, getting beat up, yeah. his car's destroyed. Like, he has a lot to answer for here. Mm-hmm. And he should probably recognize that it all looks pretty, 
you know, it, it all looks pretty damning against him. So <laughs> it would have been much easier to be like, I mean, most people consider their significant other, their confidant. Like, okay, I can tell you this. You can't tell nobody. Uh, Especially if they're Jennifer so, Conley. Yeah. And on. another, another moment on that is, uh, <laughs> you know, Jared's teeth were sweating when he saw her in that Chicago Cubs t-shirt mm, playing ping pong. You know, baby. he couldn't. Yeah, yeah. She's a uh, she's a fine lady, anyways. But why seeing her in some cubby blue boy? Uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's probably my favorite part of the film. Now that you bring it up, <laughs> another ten points on the Rotten Tomato score from Jared. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed like uh, seemed really unnecessary. Like the entire two hours of the movie, like you could have you know chop chop uh, tell him about it, tell your uh, tell your girlfriend about it, like. I thought it was extremely weak to like, if you tell Kevin James about it, I'll tell him that uh, we had sex three months before we got married or started seeing each other. Hmm. Like, eh. I don't know. I think I'd have to disagree with you on that point. Uh, I, I feel like I, I feel like if I was a guy, I'd be very scared of that, of being told that like, Oh no, no, <laughs> like I'm getting ready to like, get you. Cause you're not talking about, <laughs> Uh, Vince Vaughn's character and Jennifer Connelly, they're not married. You know, they've been dating for quite a while. So it's not like years of marriage that all of a sudden would be questioned. You know, uh, a man is typically normally going to believe his wife in a situation like that. So the Kevin James character would have reason to believe. I mean, it's just very, uh, I would not want to be in that position. So I felt some of the the tension in that predicament. Uh, I wouldn't go, I, I think I'm on board with both of you that the, the, the plot is a simple enough plot that it could be summed up in a sitcom episode, you know, 30 minute show. It doesn't really warrant a full movie, but I'll, I'll give it that it has strengths on that. While they decided to go that route, I, I think they played it up in a pretty interesting manner. You know, it, it was a, what you, you call it like a, uh, a boilerplate movie or, uh, uh, whatever the term is. It's very tense. You know, you're, you're very much just kind of uncomfortable. You're wanting them to, get it lined out uh so it had it had strengths I, I enjoyed some of that i thought Wynon's uh character was interesting in some of those scenes they personally lost me from the point when they were dancing football style so it was all downhill, <laughs> <laughs> downhill from there dancing football style. there's a scene think, uh, oh the good times the, when uh vince vaughn yeah. won't dance with jennifer conley but will make an ass of himself uh with yeah, like miming that they're <laughs> playing football or whatever, and from in a bar, like with mm-hmm. other. I don't know. That, I guess that's bookended by the awkward hockey ice rink embrace, like where they're like grinding on each other at the very the last <laughs> scene of the film. <laughs> it did make me think. You know, I just defended Ron Howard, but I'm like, do you have any male friends? Do you, Do you know how men <laughs> are friends together? Interact. <laughs> 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 and I'd say probably not. <laughs> no one ever wanted to hang out with uh, Opie. I'd say he probably was not the yeah. coolest guy in the Did, room. Uh, Andy Griffith do with you while you were <laughs> in your Oh my god. <laughs> Jared's just keep going. So um, Terrible. Yeah, bring up Louis C.K. and then we're going to pick on another redhead, balding redhead here. Just. Yeah. I felt like for as much as they put the screws to the Vince Vaughn character to get like, they're really trying to get the wedding crashers moments, right? Like they're trying to get him freaked out off kilter, uh, Mm -hmm. explosive since he's the one putting himself in the situations. Uh, they're not as enjoyable like in wedding crashers. I think the, 
sort of the the glory of that film was that his friendship with Owen Wilson and his allegiance to trying to help out his buddy uh, chase down Rachel McAdams kind of gets him dragged along into stuff that he would have tapped out of a long time ago. So you sympathize with him like he's being a good friend and he's being a good friend here too. He's just handling it in a really inappropriate way. But since he's the instigator in a lot of this stuff, I don't find it as funny. Like uh, there's a main, there's a sequence where he confronts the, uh, the male lover here, which is Channing Tatum, which is <laughs> no good for Kevin James at all. Um, <laughs> and all I can think is like, uh, you're photographing this man in his, in his residence you storm into his home, maybe accidentally fall into it, and now you start breaking his guitars. And I'm just like, I don't. <laughs> you deserve a beatdown here, sir. You deserve what you get. <laughs> I think the setting doesn't do him any favors either. You know, like you said in Wedding Crashers, it's kind of you know more lighthearted. Oh, what if we get found out that we're Wedding Crashers and these women, you know, blah blah blah. But this is this is a lot more serious subject matter as far as. Uh, my buddy of 20 years is getting cheating on cheated on and he's bleeding the, the, internally apparently or yeah, he's James like under incredible amounts of stress and like like your buddy's going through real hell here and uh vince vaughn's spastic uh blowing up you know ranting and raving just doesn't really it's not as you know not as funny in those situations do you think it, josh like a recasting would have been ordered you think maybe it's just not mm. to his material or is it just the material itself Probably the material. I mean, I'll say this: the, the the setup, even though we've kind of picked on it a little bit, I think could have made for a pretty interesting, uh, an interesting film because that is an awkward situation. If 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 you were put in that situation of having that type of knowledge, and I'm sure there are people out there that have been in that situation. Um, I'm sure it comes with a whole buttload of awkwardness and and conflict on how am I going to deal with this? You know, because. If you care for somebody that much, you you obviously want to do the right thing and do the right thing for them. But uh, there can be enough factors into play as to to make it so complex that you don't really know what the right thing is to do. So that that could have worked. Uh, and I think I think for the most part, as a story, it did work here. But it just there wasn't a whole lot of laughs to be had along the way. Uh, it just didn't really play up. The, the comedy like they could have. I mean, there were a couple moments I, I kind of chuckled. His uh, Vince Vaughn's reaction to some of the side effects he was getting after being poisoned by the plants. I mean, kind of generic humor, you know, but it, I got, I got a few chuckles out of it, but it just wasn't a home run. He confronts Winona Ryder far too early in this. For us I to agree. Enjoy. That yeah, makes it yeah. far too real. When they actually have a conversation like, you need to go home and fix your marriage or I'm going to tell him. There's too many mm-hmm. cards on the table, like especially considering she's going to keep seeing Chang Tatum and he's going to keep trying to spy on her. I would, I think you get rid of the conversation at least at that point in the film and have him trying to get evidence, if you will, to then you know relate to Kevin James. But yeah, it actually having seen this before, I'd forgotten that entirely, and I'm like, oh yeah, this just makes this kind of sad now, sad and extremely awkward, and not there's nothing funny about this anymore. It's just a. Uh, it's a melodrama that does not fit Mr. King of Queens, <laughs> you know, knowing that he's <laughs> well, going to get the bat pretty soon. <laughs> and speaking of humor, I mean, they had the whole little subplot there of uh, Kevin James' character going to get the uh, <laughs> the happy ending massages. And they kind of just go, go as far as one event of showing you that, yeah, he actually is going there. And uh, 
I, I, I was expecting there to be a twist. Like, oh, he's going to a massage, but, you know, he pulled his groin, and it's embarrassing. He doesn't want to tell nobody. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be something generic like that. But, no, it was actually he was going and doing what he was accused of doing. <laughs> and that's just kind of uh, left on, you know, yeah, if undiscussed. I'm you know, it's just like, yeah, yeah, that's what he does. <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't know. That that could have been a comedic goldmine right there if played right, you know, kind of playing off of that stuff some more. So, uh, yeah, it had a lot of missteps. Let's transfer over to uh, Barney's version, which uh, also features a lot of uh, cheating and uh, a cover-up of a damn murder that supposedly comes from catching someone in an affair, catching a best friend. In this case, poor Paul Giamatti catches uh, his best friend at that time, uh, having sex with his wife, which actually has been a common occurrence throughout the film. He has multiple <laughs> marriages and his first wife, who ends up killing herself, which is not funny. And I, the film doesn't, thankfully, play it for laughs. Like Jared's Paul, laughing for the people <laughs> who can't see his screen. He's laughing very hard. Well, Jared, Jared <laughs> likes that suicide humor. It goes over really well oh. on Twitter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whatever gets us uh, uh, Also, uh, there's a creepy coincidence that the heroes of both these movies love them some hockey, as does Mike, our co-host. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I uh, I can't get enough of that NHL Boston. Game Center. Just have it uh, playing all the time. Um, I will, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and my scorecard here. Um, and I guess this in hockey, this would be a winner since it'd be one to nothing. Barney's version doesn't have awkward men grinding on each other in an ice <laughs> rink to be the climactic moment of the film. So I guess I've already established that this is the winner of this particular episode. I'm assuming not many people have seen this. Uh, as we alluded to, Jared had a lot of problems trying to watch it for this podcast. Uh, but it's got pretty solid cast. Uh, it's got Paul Giamatti. It's got, uh, well, Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman uh, which is... Uh, uh, currently a favorite of everyone. Uh, Gone Girl, uh, many drivers in this. But this is a director, Richard J. Lewis. I don't know if he's done anything since then. I think he's done a lot of TV. Yeah, he's done a lot of TV. As he's mostly done TV in his career. Which uh, This is based on a, uh, a famous, I guess, Canadian author's novel. Um, I wasn't really aware of any of this. I had seen this before, and I remember enjoying it. Because, as I told you all, it's rare that you see Paul Giamatti playing like this ladies man it was like, his, his, <laughs> like the, the main problem he has is that he just has a wandering eye and can't settle down until can, he I, meets... can i pause you right there because you did tell us that and so when i started watching the movie i had no idea we were going to go flashbacks like i thought at the beginning of the movie that was the character and i was like, like 65 year old paul G- yeah <laughs> yeah like the old the old looking paul giamatti i was like what kind of charm does this fellow have because I well, don't know if I'm going to be able to buy it. Uh, I'll just borrow a line from my wife. She's like, you know, even though they age him up, he doesn't really change that much from like his 20-something <laughs> look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's still Paul Giamatti. But, um, it, it, okay, it's a little bit misleading because his uh, really his first two marriages in this film don't really rely on his charm. One of them, it just seems like he's being good sport because she says she's pregnant and insists that the baby's his. So he's doing the right thing. And then the second one is almost like an arranged marriage with like a very powerful, rich family. Uh, so it's not until we get to Rosamund Pike, till we get to uh, gone girl that you actually see a love story take place. So I'm assuming you all didn't have any experience with this. So, uh, what, what did no, you all make no, of no. your first time watch <laughs> shared once you actually got to see the film? I, um, I thought whenever it said in the description, this kind of, not not politically correct, you know, irreverent romp. I was like, yeah, hey, this is going to be a pretty fun movie. 
boy, was it not fun in the last uh, probably half of the movie. That was not fun at all. In fact, I mean, that's, that, that's not trying to take away from the film. Uh, I actually really, really enjoyed this film. Um, uh, yeah, I thought you were going another way. In fact, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I credit it to making me kind of like, the second half was brutal, man. Like I just, even though he doesn't have a whole lot of, he has some, he, he kind of balances his redeeming factors with his kind of being a douchebag. He, you know, he'll kind of uh, ping pong back and forth. Like he'll do something douchey and then you'll figure out that he was actually a pretty good guy back and forth. You know, much like most normal people, you know, we all have our faults, but it's just uh, it, a credit to the movie that it made me feel as it stayed with me. Like it was for hours. I was like, man, that's just, that's, that's hard. It was hard to watch the last half of that movie. I don't know if that was the same for either one of you. But Josh it is was... uh, pouring bourbon now. So I'm guessing that, uh, I was about to say like, Oh, Getting good. ready to get into it. I did some good here. <laughs> Actually, I've selected something that Jared really uh, took to Josh. Uh, not so much, or either you're just getting in the spirit of Barney. I don't know. I'm actually getting into the spirit of Barney. Thank okay. you. Uh, <laughs> um, I would reflect all those sentiments, I guess. Uh, I, I, I'll start off with the negative. I'll say this: the the thing I disliked about the movie. It's probably a bit too long. It it really plays like it's um a uh, biographical tale. Like I had to do a double take, like looking up, and I was like, "Is this based on somebody real? Like, is this a real true story?" And of course, it's, it's not. It feels like it's you're just... getting a well covered life story told. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is, yeah. Is, I agree. So... It's rare for a fictional story. Right, right. I was kind of like, why are we getting such a significant telling of this dude's life? You know, like because all these marriages and stuff. And I guess that's just what the book was, and and that's fine. That's that's not bad. But uh, I guess I really thought that it was just kind of odd that that was a story worth telling in that much depth. But that said, it could have stood to be a little shorter. But the the rest, I mean, the 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 story itself, you, you know, you're, he's an interesting character. You know, you're, you're you're pulling for him, even though he's kind of a jerk. You know what I like best about him? <clears throat> it's, it's something that you just said and Jared said. He is a jerk, but he doesn't ever try to correct people who think he's, you know, at various points in this film, they think he, you know, forced his first wife to suicide or was negligent in some way towards her. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. Doesn't really tell everyone exactly how things went down. I mean, people who know, know, but, um, and then another point, he's accused by a cop of murdering his best friend and mm-hmm. he doesn't, I don't know. He doesn't seem to be a guy that's like crusading to get his good name back. In no. fact, he embraces the fact that he's known as sort of an asshole, but to the people he cares about, he cares about deeply and he does have, there is actually strangely a sort of genuine love story with him and Roseman Pike in this, which I'd, yeah, I yeah. did not expect the first time I watched it. Well, and going with what you just said about him, never really like trying to clear his name. The one time you see him being remorseful is when he did screw up with her. Uh, he immediately starts like apologizing. Like I, it meant nothing. You know, he doesn't humble himself in any of the other situations of like, being apologetic or trying to clear the air, but he immediately goes into it with her of, you know, trying to make it right. And so, uh, yeah, that was actually a very touching scene. I thought for that reason, because he had, like you said, just didn't care what people really thought about him. Uh, otherwise that, that, that whole segment of the movie was more touching. I guess that's probably what Jared was getting at about the second half, not being as fun. Uh, it's de- definitely not, in comedy territory anymore once they're there 
And then, of course, once you start to uh, get into the dementia part of the story, it's just flat out sad and kind of heartbreaking. It was it was interesting for that reason, you know, kind of just seeing this guy's sleazy early life and then seeing him, you know, trying to grasp for for something more and then, you know, some domesticated tragedy later. Uh, just- I actually really like the, the dementia angle, which normally I would feel like I would be slightly uncomfortable with because, as I said, we've got a guy that's had, you know, some fairly troublesome relationships, especially with uh, his previous wives and um, – he has some antagonistic qualities with his friends, which involves sort of sleeping with his various wives at different <laughs> points. Um, yeah. So I would, I would be hesitant. Like if I knew going in this, that that was how it was going to resolve, I'd be like, Oh, they're trying to make you feel sorry for this guy by having something come along that doesn't really redeem who he was. But I actually think they kind of play with it in an interesting way because as you said, Josh, at that point, he's really hurt the one person he cares about the most and because of the dementia, he slips back in to a state where he's not—he's no longer living with that shame of what he did because he doesn't know about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that makes—I don't—it does make it incredibly touching. That it's like, yeah, at one point, if you just remove that one event, this is what yeah. the relationship would be like. Now it was good; everything yeah. was fine. So I hope it wasn't uh, too disappointing because I sold it as a sex romp, and then, yeah, <laughs> we get into the notebook territory there. Well. We did get that one nice uh, freeze frame of him like nose diving into bed. Oh, my uh, wife missed that. Pock, <laughs> well, that re- part was great. I had to rewind it because I was like, she was looking at her iPad. I was like, hey, you missed the sexiest moment you've ever seen on screen. <laughs> and I rewound it too far. And right before he does that, you see Rosamund Pike like shaking <laughs> her, her ass. Underwear. Yeah, like oh. <laughs> for him. And she looks at me and it's just like, hmm. And I'm like, no, no, no. no, no. But then I, had, I made it weirder by saying, no, no, just wait a second. Look, now look. And I guess she's expecting it for her to like take off her top. And it's instead Paul Giamatti in like freeze frame jumping onto the bed shirtless with all of, all of his curves out there for the mm-hmm. world. Yep. God bless that man. No shame. I do understand though why, you know, I, I opened this saying that Dilemma is probably a forgotten film as far as, you know, for something that's a wide release on this show. But I, even talking about in the podcast, unless you go too in depth into it, I think it probably Barney's version would be a hard sell to people. Like it's Paul Giamatti, <laughs> ladies man. I think the what is the tagline on the poster is like, um, it's like he's married twice, uh, and it's not until like the third time that he'll be in love or something. And you're like, oh, what a scumbag! <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you know, because of what you're saying, Josh, where it's so novelistic, where it's over encompasses such a, a long period of time, it doesn't have a quick. I can't I, like I've not seen the trailer, but I can't imagine what it is to get people to try to watch no. this movie. And any type of word of mouth, I mean, I can't imagine how I've tried to explain it to somebody who wanted it summed up in a non-spoilery way to try to convince them to watch it. I don't think it would sound very convincing. I, you know, it, there's no way of really describing it to make it sound. What about it made the nasty Hellcat cry? What about that? Well, that might do it. <laughs> I would Man, watch that movie. I see, anytime I see an older person with dementia, like when he started pawing at the banana, I, I started to choke up. Like it's, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's a really powerful movie in the second half. I can't really, um, I can't really. The moment that got me was the bit with his father. Yeah. Fantastic acting job as well. When he, he passed, which you know is going to happen because you get the feeling yeah. that, all right, this is about Barney's entire life or adult life. So, you know, at some point <laughs> this older man's going to pass. They're at the graveyard, um, <laughs> his mom's graveyard with his dad. <laughs> his dad, I, I can't remember what they're talking about before, but, you know, they're talking about 
uh, his mom and Dustin Hoffman's wife, and he's like, he just looks off. He's like, I need to get laid. <laughs> and Paul Giamatti's just, of course, disgusted. Like, basically, like, please have some respect for your mom lying there. <laughs> and then I think it's like the following scene where it's like, you know, he gets a phone call, and uh, sure and enough, it's later that day. It's the same day. Sure enough, old you know, old Pap uh, Dustin Hoffman there has he had that thought and he followed through with it <laughs> and dies in a in a brothel. And it's actually, it's a, both a very funny scene and, uh, it's really dramatic. It's really touching. Oh, the line where he says, you know, you look like a king, you know, I was like, he's oh, laughing. That's... He's laughing yeah, and crying laughing when he says you it. You look like a king. Because you do imagine mm-hmm. that it's like, you know, maybe before Barney meets Rosamund Pike's character, that that's how he would want to go out. But it's not really necessarily sad that that's how the Dustin Hoffman character goes out. No. Like, you know what? No. That's probably, he would probably think that's awesome that that if he could right, wish right. away. And so I really like that moment because I was both you know touched and just laughing at it because it's like yeah, yeah looking at your dead father in a brothel saying you look like a king his dead body yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is probably the first time we're gonna come to an episode where I'm gonna be like man it's really unfortunate that this film the forgotten film is not more well known because usually I I understand it and I do kind of understand it here but I don't even think this one's found that much of a second life. Uh, well, certainly where it's not streaming currently. Uh, this is one that no really way. should be on Netflix or Hulu so people could just stumble across it. And it, it got a little bit of award attention, did it not? Uh, Am I mistaken on that? Well, it's uh, for one Oscar. For makeup. <laughs> so well, did, did I thought maybe – was he not no- nominated though? Uh, not for the Oscars. Won the um, Golden Globe for Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture. Oh, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that yeah. is good. Yeah. So you you would some, think just with you know some of that. I mean, that's kind of the point to the award season is to bring attention to some well done movies. You 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 would think it would have had a little bit more attention brought to it just just from that. It's yeah, because I mean I don't remember hearing anything about it. So it's it's just it was, a great. Great acting from everybody all around, and a pretty—I mean, really interesting story. It's and it's a, a a tough, hard watch at the end. It's I loved it. What were the uh, what were the, the scores for these two films, Jared? Um, okay, get back to my browser here. The dilemma. Ooh, twenty-four percent tomato mm. meter and twenty-nine mm. audience. It was pretty close. I, don't, I would probably bump it up a little bit. I mean, I'd bump it quite a bit more. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a home run. It's not, but it, I mean, it didn't offend my senses sitting there watching it. I wasn't just like kicking rocks angry or anything. I'll give it a 25. percent I'll give it one percentage point just for the uh, gay car bit. I'll give it. I'll bump it up. <laughs> I enjoyed the uh, Mike Tatum doubling fight. down. <laughs> the Tatum fight was uh, decent enough to where I'd give it a little bit more. <clears throat> I actually found the uh, Tatum character to be the only one that was reacting in a sort of realistic way where, you know, as I said, he's defending his home. Uh, he is a druggie, so who knows what sort of lifestyle he has or interactions, acquaintances. But then when he says – when Vince Vaughn says, I'm – yeah, that's my best friend's wife that you're banging. He immediately is like, "Oh, I get it. Oh, why didn't you just say so? <laughs> that's totally understandable." Okay, so you're not like just robbing me. You're just yeah. not pissed with me. Okay, all right, it's fair. Uh, I liked because that was going to be another little plot I, I, I was going to bring up. Had it been true, 
was I was like, why would he give him the camera with those pictures on it? And so when it was revealed that the pictures had been erased, just a picture of him flipping him off beside a dead fish, I was like, okay, that's pretty, you know, because they were playing him off as kind of an ignorant character, like he was a dummy. So I was like, okay, he's not as dumb then as they were kind of making him out to be. So that was, yeah, he was a he was a pretty fun character. And Barney's version is 80% tomato meter and 78% audience. I would probably bump that up at least into the 90s, if it, my personal opinion. Yeah, and this is the type of film that needs that that real heavy push. It needs, as we said, the awards. Give me a reason to watch it. Yeah, uh, other than uh, silly podcasts that come out <laughs> seven years later trying to get people to do it. Um, I was just looking at this, the dilemma... Uh, had a budget of seventy million dollars. My goodness! Can you <laughs> all those expensive cars? I guess. Oh uh, well, that could be some of it. But then again, Dodge was probably happy to get that. Grossed uh, worldwide sixty nine point seven. Um, studio couldn't even just bump it up slightly somewhere just to make it look <laughs> even. Stephen <laughs> couldn't. <laughs> I'm sure they lost money on this with advertising, but. Uh, Jared, do you have Barney's version? Do you have the... They don't have the budget listed, and I don't have IMDb Pro. I had to rent Barney's version, so I can't afford it. (laughs) 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 uh, It made $7.5 million, though. Uh, I'm I'm assuming it costs a little bit more than than that. Uh, Actually, if you look at these two films, I would assume Barney's version, it looks like the more expensive film as far as the locales. Like, it's a nicer-looking movie. The dilemma, as I said, looks like sort of sitcom, like, set up. Like, it just... uh, And, you know, this is just a pet peeve of mine. I hate uh, cool workspaces that are just like some warehouse converted <laughs> warehouse and i'm like man these guys everything's awesome yeah, yeah it's like they're talking about how uh strapped they are for cash and it's like they have pretty cool unnecessary warehouse space with uh mm-hmm. i don't know uh not so much with barney's version he uses every bit of that space the the dock <laughs> the gun his father <laughs> gives him <laughs> every bit of it destroys the hell out of his house yeah we haven't talked much about it did the murder mystery did that ever play into it as far as what you thought about Barney like did you ever think like hey maybe he did it and that would change how I feel about this guy or following his you know sexual exploits well, I thought at worst it was an accident so it didn't really change my opinion of him too much uh, my understanding is that that's probably one of the biggest differences between the book is because the book I think you get like three different versions of the story and you don't know if Barney is a reliable narrator or not. And so because you don't know if he's intentionally lying or you don't know if because he was drunk, if he's remembering wrong or, you know, if the detectives take on it is true. But uh, so, no, I, they kind of just played it more like you you just saw the one you you saw it out as it actually happened. And like Jared Mm -hmm. said, uh, if it had come at the end that he had shot Boogie, then, uh, it would have been by accident, like when he fell down. Obviously, he didn't actually shoot him. But I enjoyed the the reveal, you know, at the end, that the reason they didn't find it. And it was, it was kind of interesting because they have him sitting there in his dementia. And I guess there may be even hinting at maybe that even within his dementia, he's almost kind of putting it together what mm-hmm. happened. That yeah, because uh, it doesn't seem like the sun is. The sun's watching the no. same thing. And I'm like, you moron. It just came up on the news. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, beach ball <laughs> falls in <Yeah>. the sky. <laughs> Yeah, how did a man who fell like one foot into the water end up with injuries from like a you know skydiving accident? Mm-hmm. And then there they are seeing the the plane scoop water from the 
I don't know if that was a lake or, or what, but uh, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was an inter- that that payoff made that story more interesting than what it had been up to that point. I, I didn't care so much for it early on, but uh, I didn't care that payoff when, was when Boogie fun. in his I guess drug addled drunken state after having sex with Barney's wife. And Barney's only reaction is to chuckle and embrace his, like, good luck and be like, hey, man, need you to testify so I can get some of that <laughs> divorce yeah, settlement money. Yeah, testify that you did what you did, <laughs> which will harm you in no way. And then Boogie starts antagonizing him, like, making fun of him. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I'll think about it. Uh, yeah, while this yeah, guy's, guy's got a, a gun on him. I was like, so, yeah, uh, I guess to answer my own question, I was like, I didn't care what Barney did. I don't care if he I shot him right in the Barney. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Boogie. I mean, yeah, he was a pretty sucky guy. <laughs> yeah. What is guy who looks like Scott Speedman doing having sex with all of Paul Giamatti's wives? What is he doing? Like, why? why? What's Calling of- himself Boogie on top of that. How much yeah. is enough Boogie? Do you have to have my wives and everybody <laughs> else's wives? <laughs> <laughs> all right, maybe we did improve the movie by just having him shoot <laughs> Boogie. And then yeah, the, dead body, a- the dead body yeah, like picked a- up. <laughs> 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 just a it clear cut. <laughs> It would have been nice, like, you know, uh, a dementia-ridden Paul Giamatti sitting on that bench, and it like, damn straight. <laughs> you know, I gave you the respect to not cutting you off, but right when you said it would have been nice, dementia-ridden Paul Giamatti, I'm like, no, whatever you're about to say is not going to be nice. It's going to be the opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, if he had actually killed him, and then you had him, like, remember, that's right, I did it. <laughs> you know, Cigar, it. smoking it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would have been nice. Been baller, baby. So we're uh, we're all very high on uh, Barney's version. Um, the dilemma: Does it deserve any sort of reconsideration at all? It bombed at the box office. Wasn't uh, critically well received. Not really. I mean, not coming from a true <laughs> movie lover standpoint. I mean, you're going to have some people who they just want to watch whatever type of standard feel good comedy they can. And I mean, that would be fine. A date night flick or whatever. That's what I said. You could do a lot worse than that, but. There's no reason to go, really go out seeking it. It doesn't really provide that much. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our podcast on it. <laughs> Something that was not worth seeking out. <laughs> we did. <laughs> yeah. Am I wrong? No, mm-hmm. no, not at all. Yeah. But you know what? It was yeah. good. To, uh, I will be thankful for the dilemma coming out on the same day as Barney's version because it caused me to go back and watch that one again. There you go. You did something right, d- the dilemma. Uh, we will not do anything right, but uh, if you want to follow our hijinks, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sober Cinema. You can go to followingfilms.com to check out these episodes and many more, or please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And any final words of wisdom? Do we learn anything from any of these characters? Hmm. I'll defer to Josh. I did the last one. Oh, man. I don't know. Probably. You're never too overweight to enjoy a good cigar and jumping into bed with a beautiful woman and freeze framing it right in that. <laughs> in this in this scenario, who's doing the freeze framing? <laughs> who's the cameraman? Whoever's, whoever the cameraman is. <laughs> this lucky bastard. <laughs> or I guess if you have like your own little pervy uh, hidden cam set up, you do that post, you know, in post, you know, during that the That is editing. a very particular type of perversion that, uh, you know, I understand uh, Christian Bale, an American psycho, posing in the mirror for himself because he's very physically fit. But if you're Paul Giamatti, like, oh, yeah, freeze frame it. Maybe right at the, <laughs> the height of my, my arc, my cannonball into bed. 
you know what? You're a pervert for even suggesting it, Josh. <laughs> 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 There can't be any movie that has given me more fits and trouble than uh, Barney's version did today. But it was worth it. You liked it. It was. I mean, it was worth it. I guess maybe it does uh, made made the movie a little bit better having to work that hard for it, eventually giving up, buying it, and then it being a fantastic movie. So. Yep, that's how you do it. Double click it, Jared. I'm trying to fight with this phone and my internet connection than you two. You made your iPhone dumb. You dumb dumb. Oh, you're so stupid. I'll kill both of them. I just went silent because I was like, I'm going to have a stroke. I'm going to have a stroke. <laughs>